0: Welcome back, you Wyoming knuckleheads, to another episode of Go Be Wild. Today, uh, my two guests in studio are... I'm gonna call you guys tree nerds. Is that okay? You guys were kind of just saying that you we might geek out, and I might have to keep you guys on track. That so, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on our right, I've got Clark Van Hooser, yep. um, the city of Sheridan arborist, and then on his left, we've got uh, owner of Inner Tree Nicholas Patterson, who is a master arborist, and we'll get into that. But um, we were just kind of talking right before Nicholas came to my house when I was looking to sell. You know, talking about trees to make sure you know my trees were okay and not going to cause any problems with selling the house or anything like that. And, um, as Nicholas was talking, I was like, man, I was like, this guy needs to be on a podcast. I was like, he knows so much and I'm learning so much about trees. Um, and so I'm glad that this came together. Clark, I think you were working with DYT on something, uh, solutions who helps us with all our videos anyways and i was like i gotta get these guys in and we gotta do a tree tree thing wyoming tree thing so thank you guys for taking the time this morning and coming into the studio
1: yeah absolutely
0: um i want to do just a little bit of background for everybody just because um you guys are kind of fairly new actually to like you know born and raised Wyoming people. Um, But Clark, um, you will have been four years coming up on four years with the city of Sheridan. Um, How did you end up here? How did you become an arborist? Um, And how do you like Wyoming so far?
2: Yeah, well, um, I actually grew up here. Okay. Um, Folks live in story still and went to Bighorn High School. Um, And then, you know, graduated, went down to Laramie, did uh, my degree down there in range land ecology, and then couldn't really find a job out of college. So ended up uh, working for a, a forestry company down there during the uh, height of the mountain pine beetle epidemic. Okay. So we were doing a lot of protective sprays and, um, you know, fire-wise defensible space, um, clearing around cabins and stuff like that. And as the pine beetles died down, that company kind of shifted more into the urban landscape, and uh, that's how I got into arboriculture and working with trees, you know, in, in the urban or, you know, city setting. Cool. And I uh, just, you know, fell in love with it after that, found it super interesting. Um, so did that for, you know, four or five years in Laramie, then uh, moved down to Colorado and um, was a production climber down there for a little while. And okay. Living in Colorado, uh, realized how much I missed Wyoming. So when the opportunity to move back up here for the city of Sheridan, uh, city Arbor's job opened up, I jumped on it and was fortunate enough to grab awesome. it. Awesome.
0: You're a local boy coming back. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't so. know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nicholas, how about you? Just a little bit about yourself there too.
1: Yeah. So I grew up in Biloxi, Mississippi. Mississippi, right in the Gulf of Mexico, which is a, a, a very tree-rich environment. Um I was fortunate to grow up in a yard with two very ancient live oak trees and uh was surrounded in my community by very old trees, trees stretching over five hundred years old. Um and that was always kind of magical to me. Uh, my parents would vacation out in the mountains growing up, and so I kind of fell in love with that 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 climate as well, and and snow and 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 climbing and skiing and all that. And so. Um, as a young adult I moved to Colorado and uh, to to be around the mountains and and play in the mountains and uh, ended up meeting my wife there and when we started a family we, we just needed a little bit more space and, mm-hmm. and wanted to you know be less crowded and offer our children the green space that that we grew up around so uh, she had family in Sheridan this kind of made a top five list and, and here we are awesome yeah. well thank you guys just for anyone that doesn't know you guys you know I think that's just a good little background
0: there of how you guys fell in with trees and why you guys are arborists and, uh, you know, in this community. So, um, first and foremost, I think let's start with this, you know, Clark, you're from here, you know, you're from story, but Nicholas, you've had a early, you know, early love for trees, but what makes, um, Wyoming trees special, um, especially in what you guys do day to day and who, I don't know, I don't care who takes, who wants to take that mm. one first. <laughs> want to shoot for it. Or uh, maybe first for somebody, right? You guys told me to kind of which ones are the Wyoming native trees. Mm. Let's start with that, and then we can dive into what right. makes them special. Just yeah, rattle
1: them off. So off. we've got plains cottonwoods, box elder, uh, the black willow, black
2: willow, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of native evergreens. You know, lodgepole pine, ponderosa pine, um, Doug fir. People are pretty familiar with those up yep. in the mountains. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, choke cherries, wild plums. Mm. Uh, we get into hawthorns. All of our, a lot of our gorges and valleys where where hunters are out right now looking for deer and and elk. There's there's going to be hawthorns in those gullies there. Awesome.
0: That was quite a bit right there. So yeah, I don't know if there's um, so what makes all those special? <laughs> kind of hit on a little bit that they're in some gullies, probably where the water is,
2: or they're in the mountains. Um, well, I think when people think of Wyoming, you know, we're particularly seen as a plain state. Um, and there's a reason for that. It's because our climate's harsh. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't get much water. It's cold. It's windy Um, so to survive in wyoming as a tree, I mean you need the right environment You have to set up shop and basically become a, a stronghold to take on all those elements Um, so that's why you usually find trees, you know closer down into the draws around water sources um, and then you know historically you know, around, uh, ranches and farmsteads where people were able to give trees the nurture they needed in
1: order to get them to survive. Um, yeah, it's tough to be a Wyoming tree. Um, uh, the, the more I learn about what it means to be a Wyoming tree and what Wyoming trees face, the more respect and adoration I have specifically for Wyoming trees. You know, I spent a a great deal of time in the front range of Colorado and even six hours South. It's, it's an entirely different climate. Uh, The wind here is of course outrageous. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just strafing across the soil, desiccating for all the little water we have, we have all the elements that are just taking water away. We've got wind coming across the soil, uh, conductively pulling water out of the soil. We've got. Constant sunlight just beating down on the soil, evaporating that moisture. Uh, and then we have ice storms and the growing season is so short. So um, yeah, it's seen out of Rocky Four, right? Where he's like in the snow, pulling the sled, like uphill and he's growing a beard like overnight. Yep. right? And he's like fighting in, in all these conditions. Like that's what it means to be like the Wyoming tree. It's, it's just the toughest place. If you had to be a tree and got to choose your location, you'd, it's unlikely you'd choose Wyoming, <laughs> but yet here they are. And so, um, so it's just, it's, I think for both of us, it's a, it's a joy to, to serve and, and, and work with these trees. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
0: I love that Rocky reference. I was just thinking that Creed too, I think is probably the same thing. He's out in the desert and all that stuff, but uh, right, yeah. um, like we were saying before, um, we were kind of saying, you know, it fits into the people of Wyoming too. And I think Clark, do you agree with that? A li- I mean, not a lot of people would pick to live out here, <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: right? <It takes laughs>
1: if a, they had
2: a choice, right. You know, <laughs> yeah, it takes a, a certain type of person with a, a certain type of a character. Mm. And uh, a lot of our trees uh, show that, especially, you know, our older heritage trees that are, that have survived. Mm. You know, I mean, if you look at our cottonwoods, um, which are, is the state tree is the Eastern cottonwood. And, you know, a lot of those trees are, are, you know, about as old as the state itself at this point. So, I mean, as long as some of these cottonwoods have been growing, that's about as long as our state's really been uh, its own
1: state. So yeah, which is awesome. A lot of history tied up into those trees. Yeah. Takes grit Mm. and determination. Yeah. To, to be a Wyoming tree, one of the facets we were listing off these these native trees and, and, and one of the characteristics you'll find, especially in some of the deciduous species there, are the ones that, that have leaves that are turning colors right now and dropping on the, all over the ground, uh, is, is you kind of have to be a phoenix. You kind of have to be able to be knocked down and have a way to get back up without much resources. And and, and so I think that, that also kind of matches the character of a of a Wyoming person is it's, it's harsh and, and, and things are going to knock you down a little bit and the weather, and uh, you've got to have a mechanism inside you to stand back up and, and get back going. So if, if, if you're not that Phoenix type of tree, if you don't have the the ability to reiterate from your ashes, so to speak, after a big ice storm, we don't know your name anymore mm-hmm. in 2021. To know the willows, the cottonwoods, all that, it's because they can be knocked down to the hilt, be broken apart, and they have a mechanism to put leaves back out and make their food. Wonderful. Well, That's well
0: said. And I that ties right into, I think, you know, we're coming into the fall season now. We were kind of just talking about the first snowstorms coming up next week. Yeah. Um, you know, what are some things, you know, especially with these native species that, um, you know, people should be aware of, mm-hmm. you know, that we should be really should have been doing probably you know late summer before uh, next week. You know when people are like, oh, <laughs> maybe I should be taking care of my trees. Um, but what are some you know um, for kind of the general things that people could do? Um, you know, species that they can identify and then things they could do, um, coming up for winter, um, just
2: some management, some health, uh, things. Well, uh, this time of year, one thing that people do do is, uh, everyone's out in their yards and raking up their leaves. And if it comes to tree care, um, you know, if you look at a tree in a forest situation, you know, that leaf drop, that litter drop accumulates over time and really builds up the soil when you have a tree and a a turf or a lawn type scenario, you know, we're pulling those leaves off every year. We're not allowing those nutrients to cycle back into the soil. Um, And over time the soil, you know, gets depleted of those nutrients. Um, So if you're looking from a tree care perspective, you know, if you're going to remove the leaf litter and mass every year from the lawn, uh, you should probably figure out a strategy to replace those nutrients. Uh, Probably the best thing you could do to do that is implement a mulch ring around your tree. If you don't have one yet, fall's a great time to put one in. It's going (laughs) to capture moisture um, throughout the winter. It's going to insulate the roots. And then as that mulch breaks down over the time, it's going to act the way those leaves would in a forest situation and replenish that soil and build up a better soil that, you know, Wyoming soils particularly aren't very rich in nutrients, especially when we're building our homes on, you know, historically prairies and plain type ecosystems.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would also state this, this is, this is uh a, probably one of the, the the least desirable times we're coming into and are kind of into now to be removing large live tissue from trees. This is a, one of the things we need to concern ourselves with in, in tree care uh, implementation and practice is when we are pruning when we are cutting a lot of pruning seems to take place in fall uh, making large wounds. So one of the, the, the aspects of pruning is, is these trees, these living organisms have to then seal these wounds that we make and pruning is certainly wounding um and fall the the tree's not really set up to be to be sealing these wounds so so this is the time definitely we can be addressing the 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 dead branches the large dead branches uh and certainly i think if there are safety issues with with live branches that kind of overrides uh these needs but we need to be backing off on pruning live tissue from these trees and focusing more on, on soil health as Clark was touching base on. And, uh, mulching is a key thing that can happen in, in fall and, uh, and we need to be continue watering. There's a lot of people out there renting compressors right now, blowing out the sprinkler lines and that's fine. We need to do that. We have frost coming. We don't want those, those sprinkler lines breaking. Um, but this is the time for me where, where we gather up the hose and, and are out there independently watering different trees and so Some nights that means bringing the hose inside in the mudroom, letting that thing thaw out. Um, But we need to be continuing uh, to, to keep the soil moist throughout the fall and fall season, so... Yeah, I think it's really easy for a homeowner to uh, turn
2: off the the irrigation system and kind of forget about the trees because, you know, the turf's going dormant. Yeah. Um, And especially with the warmer falls and extended falls that we've had the last few seasons, um, you know, we've seen a lot of what we're calling winter kill on, you know, some of our younger trees and even really some of our, you know, mid-range and older trees because they're lacking that moisture. We aren't getting the snows that we've gotten historically. So, um, you know, the the homeowner's mind is, well, it's it's faults winter. We don't need to water from the tree's perspective. You know, there's still a lot of going on there physiologically where that water needs to be in the soil. And if it's not there, um, you could lose your tree pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And something we learned last year for sure is, you know, good general rule is if there's not snow on the ground, uh, we should be a, uh, maintaining some, some level of soil moisture. And that means, that means applying water even after the sprinkler lines have been blown out. So awesome. No, that's great
0: stuff. You know, cause, um, you know, you had mentioned to me, Nicholas, the mulch. And, the, you know, I think that's super important. And, and I mean, and I think we can get into it, why it's important into spring, summer. Um, I didn't realize uh, the water part, you know, and I bet a lot of people don't realize that, that we should be trying to water it as much as possible until, like you said, snow's on the ground. And then, you know, let's not do that. But um, mm-hmm. to dive, both of you dive into kind of the, um, um, the importance of, you know, not doing large amounts of pruning and cutting down right now. You know, I think um, just, I think some people don't realize why, um, cause they just want to do it. You know, the big thing is, and as you told me was, you know, homeowners just think, get that branch down because I don't want it to fall in my house. Right. Well, but that could be actually detrimental to the tree. And then, you know, you know, uh, the value of that tree on your property. So kind of t- dive into the importance of, um, and I, I think you guys made it very clear, large amounts of, you, you know, damages to the tree and pruning, you know, like cutting down big limbs, you know, pruning's okay, but not, large amounts. So kind of dive into the importance of that.
1: Yeah. So, um, that, that point, that interface where, where trees meet people and trees meet property, that's exactly where we work. That's, that's, that's where we come into play. And so, Arboriculture is kind of a, it's cultivating trees and shrubs for sure, but it's kind of about uh, meeting uh, people's objectives and meeting those goals with an interest and an understanding of of how we're impacting the tree while we're doing that. Uh, And there's always a proper time. There's always a proper season. Certainly I think safety uh, overrides kind of all of this. You know, if we've got a a branch blocking a stop sign or a large overextended branch that that, uh, creates a risk for your home and for your family uh, i think that kind of overrides the 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 mechanism there um, but but at all possible we're making small cuts on Wyoming trees, small meaning things under two inches in diameter, things in the outer edges of the canopy. If you look at a lot of the natural breakage from storms, you see things breaking at like kind of the three and four inch diameter range. And so that tells us that, that if we were to go out in the outer third and outer fifth of the canopy, the outer edges in the younger parts of the tree and make multiple cuts that are one inch diameter and around that, 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 that size, uh, we can alleviate that strain that our branches see. Even in the greatest ice storms, it's rare to see something over four inches in diameter break. So that, I, so that tells us that if I can go out beyond that four inch range and thin and reduce the, the mass and, and the load there, then I can uh, reduce the likelihood of, of branch failure. So we can meet these objectives, uh, but it's understanding how trees need to seal wounds and, and, uh, and what goes into that. Um, fall just happens to be one of the times where Uh, when we open up that live tissue and expose that live tissue to the air and to fungal, uh, you know, airborne fungal pathogens, uh, decay can travel incipiently in the fall, uh, aggressively in the fall, much, you know, sometimes 10 times the amount as removing that same live tissue just two months ago when it was 90 degrees is a Mm. lot better or, or even better in the, the, the spring when, when trees are actively trying to seal off live tissue. Um, so, um, timing is, is key, but, uh, yeah.
0: Well, knowledge too, Clark. You know, from the city side, you know, you guys probably deal with that kind of same concern too of buildings or roads and um, you know things like that. You know, anything to add on that from from that too?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, from our perspective, uh, really, we're managing our trees uh, to be functional within a cityscape. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing out in the field is you know street clearance sign clearance um, looking for hazards in our parks um, and as Nicholas said that can overrule um, and change some of your uh, pruning scope of work but um, just to echo his point you know I think as Alex Shigo said that the best and worst thing you can do for a tree is prune it and uh, for pruning in the wrong way um, you can do a lot of detriment to a tree in a single season mm. that it's you know worked you know 20 to 100 years to put on this this canopy so it can live and that can be gone in a matter of hours. So small cuts, um, minimizing the amount of material we're taking off, you know, like 20% to 15% a year, uh, doing less more often, you know, going back year after year. I think from a homeowner's perspective, uh, you know, trees can kind of be in the back of their mind. And then one day it's like, oh, I need to get this tree trimmed and they want to see know rapid change in the canopy they want everything lifted off into the year they don't want to have to pay for this tree which is this you know understandable tree where it can be expensive but they want you know one go every five years where realistically if they were to you know do that you know fifth of that you know once a year for five years they're going to get a better product they're going to have healthier tree Um, so I think just from a homeowner's perspective you know choosing someone that uh, knows the science that ha- has given you a really good idea of why they're pruning, what they're pruning, um, the reasons they're pruning it, probably pushing back on some of the cuts that you want to have made. Um, that's that's what a good arborist should do um, and homeowners should look for that. Um, I also recommend that homeowners, you know, talk to multiple different arborists because every arborist has their own perspective. Right. Um, and then you can take those perspectives, research them on your own, or kind of see what, what makes sense to you uh, and go with that. So, um, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, pruning is important, um, for our, our in-town trees. But if you look yep. again at a tree in a forest, it's not getting pruned. It's, it's doing <laughs> fine. So, As is, you know, we talked about like what makes a Wyoming tree
0: and that's, you know, there's a reason why they've been here for over a hundred years, you know, and, and it's not cause someone's been pruning it <laughs> every exactly. year or so. Exactly. Um, yeah. and, uh, so, and then, you know, that's what I got. And then, you know. I love the, you know, why, you know, make sure whoever, and this goes for almost any industry, but like, why, you know, make sure they're knowledgeable and like, why are we doing this and all that? And, um, and, and always doing less is good. And I think in anything you do, you know, always think about, you know, what are we doing? But um, no, that was great guys. Um, anything I'm missing in management wise or anything like that? Cause I do want to talk about the uh, uh, Kendrick Arbit- Arbitum Is that right? Did I say that right? Arboretum. 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 Um, But did I miss anything management-wise or health-wise? You
1: know, I think another good one is whatever uh, tree care provider you go with— Pruning isn't always the answer. I'd, I'd say pruning is most of the time not the answer. Um, it, more importantly, what we do with our water hose is going to, to have the greatest implication one way or the other in, in tree health. Understanding how water moves into Wyoming soil, how it mobilizes and gets to the roots is a big deal. You know, Our, our woody perennial organisms, trees and shrubs, are 80%. Water by mass, right? The other 19% of any given portion of a tissue is carbon dioxide, and uh, the 1% of the other 17 essential elements that that that, that you usually see. So, uh, pruning is is more often than not not the answer, but it is where we usually meet the client, right? They have a need. They can't get into the canopy. Um, so we need to be educating people about how to, to, to properly water our trees and move water from the, the hose or the sprinkler line into the tree and the canopy. But if you are choosing someone to prune your trees, uh, uh, there should be a, a specification written out, right? So a work scope, we're gonna remove this amount of live material, this percentage from this portion of the tree, the upper canopy or the interior canopy. This should be very well lined out the largest cuts we'll make on live tissue are this diameter. Um, and this is why we're recommending that we do this, you know, and, and, and most of it leads back to, 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 human reasons, right? We're pruning mostly to keep trees structurally intact so they don't fall apart and to keep trees uh, safe to be around and congregate around. That's, that's really it. Wonderful. And I think that
0: ties right into, the reason of the Kendrick uh, Arboretum, because I think, I feel like there's a lot of educational stuff in that mm. park, and that walkway. Um, and you both, uh, Inner Tree, and then obviously the city were um, hand in hand in that. Um, I did not know this, Clark, you told me before that that started in 2013. I had no idea that that project was going on um, up by the Kendrick Mansion. But um, talk a little bit about what it is, what the goal was. And, you know, we just had a recent expansion and, um, you know, kind of how we can educate the community a little bit about, you know, tree health and management and all that good stuff
2: yeah so um, the Kendrick Arboretum an arboretum is basically uh, a zoo for trees Uh, (laughs) so we get a a showcase different species Um, you know we have some signage up there explaining some educational points um, surrounding trees and tree care Uh, but the the Kendrick Arboretum itself uh, was started in 2013 um, thanks to Wyoming State Forestry Grant um, in the city working with Wyoming State Forestry I think planted about 56 trees in the original planting up there, um, some of those trees, a lot, a lot of those original trees are still there. Um, so our oldest trees in, in the arboretum itself are, you know, getting to that, you know, eight-year time frame. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I started in 2018. The last three years, uh, we've been putting a lot of work in there. Some more signage, uh, doing some more plantings um, in the arboretum itself. Uh, and this year, we did a big expansion and put in uh, 13 new species. Um, we did a, a Petrified rock exhibit um, up at the arboretum as well, but really the arboretum is just there to showcase um, the different species that the town can grow. Um, probably one of the most important things in having a, a healthy urban forest or community forest is having different species within that forest. Uh, right now, Sheridan, we're we're really heavy on our cottonwoods, on our blue spruce, on our green ash, um, because those were the trees that that worked and were available to us. You know, especially you know 30, 50 years ago. Um, now th- you know, nurseries blowing up the way they have. There's a lot of different varieties that we can plant. Um, you know, a lot of different colors, flowers, sizes, shapes, forms. Uh, so the Arboretum's there to showcase that and uh, really just, you know, provide the opportunity for the public to learn more about
1: trees um, and the benefits they provide our community.
0: Awesome. Yeah.
2: Any,
1: yeah. I'm gonna nerd out a little bit here. Love it. Second. Yes. You said it was about seven years ago. And for us, that's that's very true, 2013. Um, for trees, for most of the trees there, that was seven days ago. So a year is like a day to a tree. Okay, like, this is really neat. When when I when I graduated to like wrapping my head around this, this idea. It was, it was pretty mind blowing. So most of our deciduous trees, I'm going to kind of lean on the, the the deciduous group right now, the, the ones that drop their leaves, the maples, cottonwoods, willows, such, um, you know, they wake up in spring and they put on their leaves. They go to work all summer long, making food, kind of making money to put in the bank. And then in fall, when the photo time period shifts and they have less light, they know it's time to, to start coming home. So they come home with all the their earnings and they store them in the root bank for winter and they go to sleep and they rest. And then they wake up next spring and they do it again. Our, our conifers generally kind of wake up, turn on the switch in spring, take a little summer nap and turn it back on in fall and sort of do the same. They go dormant and rest in the winter. Um, so that's just a neat aspect of tree physiology is is this was only seven days ago for, for a tree. And I love to get people thinking in tree time uh, so that when people... Start start to see stressors in their tree They understand this is an accumulated factor over many, many years. And when we start to get back into getting a tree healthy again, it can take some time Mm. for us, for, for what we see, you know, gosh, I started watering. It doesn't look better. Um, a, A year is a day for a tree yeah. just a few days ago. They're thinking in, in centuries, whereas we're thinking in about a 75, 80 year spectrum. Right, so. No, that was awesome, that was well yeah. said, yeah. yeah. Before. So that arboretum yeah. is very young to these trees. This is their, some of them, their, their seventh, eighth day right. waking up and, and doing stuff, right? That's awesome. you neat. Yeah. No. Well, and that ties into what we were talking about management
0: wise, like you said, like oh, I've watered it for a week. I was like, well, that's not that's not gonna do anything. Like you got, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, you know, so that's a great, yeah, that's a great metaphor for anybody that's you know, like, man, nothing's changing my tree. It's like, well, you know, yeah. one year is a day, so you gotta, yeah, you know, you're on tree time. Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: Tree time is much different from from human time. Yeah.
0: Um, to finish out, guys, we're right under thirty minutes here, so this is great. um. um is there anything else uh, in the community, you know, so the Kendrick Arboretum is awesome. I think, you know, I got, we got, it's like a zoo for trees. You know, we got the metaphor on tree time. Um, is there anything else in the community, um, you know, where there's some education or that you guys, you know, and that could be in tree or the city, you know, for educational purposes or just, uh, trees in general.
1: I don't think this has been lost on anybody in the community right now in, in Sheridan particularly, um, but this, let's just take a moment and celebrate the fall showcase we're getting this year. We kind of missed the fall colors the last two years uh, because of an early storm. So we went straight from kind of green leaves to brown leaves, right? And then they kind of hung on till next spring. We didn't get that beautiful fall show, that spectrum, right? Um and so Clark has been kind of uh, celebrating lately that particularly the ash tree yep. uh, has just been going off this year. And I, so I hope everybody's getting out and driving around, but I think Clark maybe should talk a little bit about the, 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 the value in our ash trees, the, the, the large population, uh, and, and some of the implications to, to come down the road. Absolutely. Again, yeah, the ash tree is is
2: going off this fall. Um, Bright yellow, almost into a tangerine orange tree. Um, if you're looking at a yellow tree and it's not a giant cottonwood, there's a good chance that it's an ash tree. Um, it makes up about 20% of our public trees. Um, that's the, the trees grown on city property. Um, we've got, you know, around 400 of those trees that we're managing just as a city ourselves. Uh, if you were to look at that, you know, over the course of the whole community, including, you know, homeowners and private residences, we're talking in the thousands of, of ash trees. And um, unfortunately, you know, all these trees are actually under threat um, from an invasive insect known as the Emerald Ash Bore. The Ash borer is basically causing, you know, an extinction level event for North American ash trees. Um, It started out in Michigan on the East Coast. Um, And if you go east of the Mississippi at this point, there really isn't an ash tree left out there. Um, the insect is in Colorado, uh, it is in Nebraska, it is in South Dakota, it hasn't made it to Montana and it hasn't made it to Wyoming yet. Um, but once that insect arrives, um, there's a good chance that, you know, a lot of our ash trees and a lot of our canopy in our city in Sheridan, um, is going to go away. Uh, there are, there are chemical protectives that you can use that, use against it. So you can't save the important trees. And we're definitely gonna have a management plan to implement that. Um, but they're expensive, um, and we're not gonna be able to save every ash tree and, You know looking at some of our native open space parks like, you know wallet park or south park a lot of those trees in those parks are are Native ash trees and Mm the same thing, you know along our riverways Um, so Yeah, just just highlighting the ash tree and you know seeing what it's doing this fall It's just it makes such an impact on our community Mm -hmm. Um, The colors this this fall the shade Mm -hmm. it gives during the summer uh, Just the amount of habitat and and ecosystem services this particular species provides our town Um, so I guess you know, my request of of the community was would be to figure out how to identify an ash tree. Uh, we need to start looking at our ash trees. We need to figure out which ones we we value really highly. As much as I value everyone, every single one of them, uh, some decisions are going to have to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a good chance that. You know, if, if you're a homeowner in Sheridan, you might have an ash tree in your backyard, your neighbor might have an ash tree um, on your fence line. Um, and if this insect, you know, does, does kill that tree, unfortunately the, the trees don't just stand there, they fall over. So there's gonna be a lot of a lot of management and a lot of work um, and a lot of cost, both from the city and the homeowner perspective and in managing this insect once it gets here. Um, but I think as a community we can rally around this species um, and, and, and treat it as a positive rather than a negative. Um, and again, because we're going to lose so many ash trees, you know, you know, whether it's next year, five years, 10 years, uh, now's a a great time to start planting new trees as well to start making up for some of
1: that canopy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And to bolster the health of, of these ash trees too, if we're learning something from these areas that, 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 have been affected by EAB, it's, you know, gosh, I wish we would have done, uh, all the things we needed to do as far as pruning because pruning again is wounding and it's a stressful occurrence for the ash tree. I wish we had got the, the pruning necessary out of the way before the beetle arrived and we were exposing live tissue and taking more food making potential away from the tree. Uh, you know, Again, watering appropriately, mulch your, your trees, please. Um, please consider that. Look into the research. It's pretty sound um, and, and well-documented your trees. Documented. trees. Mulch, Hashtag mulch, mulch trees. your mulch. <laughs> trees. It's free at the um, city landfill. Yeah. And again, these things accumulate, right? So if, if we don't see EAB for three or four years, again, three or four days for a tree, now is the time to begin mm. getting on top of understanding how to water your tree specifically, and, um, appropriately. So one of the ways to do that is to go down to the, the local nursery or or uh uh, uh Sheridan Seed and Feed, Landens, these guys are holding uh, soil moisture meters selling these for, for ten bucks, right? So um you can go online, you can buy an expensive one. I use the ten dollar one from the local nurseries here. Um it's real simple. It tells you very, very quickly dry, moist, or wet in your soil. Um, so you use a screwdriver, make a little hole in your soil around your tree's root zone, uh, and, and plug that meter in, and, and it'll tell you whether you need to water or not, whether or not the soil at three to six inches is, is moist or not. And so that's how we really get on top of maintaining adequate soil moisture uh, uh, in our trees. So... Awesome. Very important. Yeah. No.
0: And like you tied it back to the, you know, that's three, four days for a tree, not years. You know, we always think in years. Um, oh shoot. I just had something, um, Oh, well, and so we talked about, you know, safety, right? You know, if a a, a EAB, emerald ash borer, gets into those trees and kills the ash tree, um, obviously there's the safety hazard that it can fall down. Um, But um, as you guys were mentioning, you know, for people to go outside and go look at the colors, I think for Sheridan and the community, it's the value, right? I mean, that's why we're here is because you get those beautiful views and we get, you know, we get the fall, you know, if there's not an early storm. Um, So I would challenge the community like that's a, that's a value to the community. Not also, you know, there's the safety side of it and losing the trees, but there's that value, you know, homeowner value, but the city value of, you know, why people want to be here, you know, it's cause we've got these trees and we've got this nature. So, um, that's awesome. I did not know about that. So that's uh, very good to, uh, get out ahead of and get
1: that in the public eye. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Let's see here. Go out, go around, and behold the beauty of the ash tree. And uh, and and I don't like to go there, but some you know, rather than enjoying the beauty, sometimes you can you can flip that switch and imagine like what would it mean if if all these trees were gone? If Mm -hmm. all the yellow and yellowish orange trees I see right now, if if they weren't here, or if they were big stands of gray, and um, so so you can go out right now and and really uh, imagine the impact. Uh, that, that our ash trees have in our community. I've got a question. This is a fun. I might be drawing off topic. No, here. this is fine. Yeah. If you've been around me in the last like two weeks with with the fall showcase we're getting, I've been just I've been curious. I've been asking people if if colors on trees were always like this. If you woke up in the morning and you saw red and and brown and, and yellow and orange, w- would you begin to take it for granted? Would would it? Would you just? Accept it or is it just as magical as it seems all the time? So I love fall. So I, I, yeah. I would hope that I would think it's magical
0: all the time. Cause like, yeah. to me, like uh, I'm a football coach, football guy, like so to me your, here, falls your stuff. yeah, yeah. falls that like those colors mean to me, like it's fall, like this yeah. is, you know, it's hoodie weather, like, yeah. um, so I would ho- hopefully say sure. I wouldn't get used to it, but,
1: sure. um, That's an
0: interesting question. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't
1: that be neat? Yeah. Not, not to kick anything against chlorophyll and the green. Yeah. (laughs) Green's great. I'm just, come on right now. It's, it, it is it's all gorgeous. For it is. There, there is something to that
2: magic where you get, you know, a week, two weeks of, of this brilliant display where, mm-hmm. you know, if it was like that all the time, maybe it does turn into white noise. Uh, yeah. 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 It's a great question. Noise, but. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I'll i second you. The green's nice. You know, in the spring,
0: right when we're getting into the summer and everything's green, that's pretty beautiful out here too. When every, everything's bright green and, um, you know, it's getting warmer out, you know, that's the time for summer here. But oh, Flowers. I can never yep. decide if I like flowers. <laughs> Spring with all colors more. And, yeah. a you know, hard time. We'll leave that to the listeners. I think that's a great question. You know, would would it carotenoids or chlorophyll? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, well, yeah. yeah. That'll be the question, right? <laughs> cool. Um well, last little thing, you know, cause you both are very heavy in social media and I think it's very important, right? Especially the fall colors and things like that. Like, um, the importance of the ash tree and, and what you guys do. Um, Clark, you're on Instagram. What's your
2: Instagram, uh, handle, I guess. Oh, uh, shoot. I think it's at Clarkie underscore V just, okay. just letter V or it might just be Clarkie V. Um, but I can pull it up real quick. Yeah, be like a Jamie yeah. on the Joe Rogan. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you post,
0: cause you post things that you, do all uh, you know th- as as your job too? You know, education wise, um, trees and fish is what what you'll get. <laughs> yes, yes. You come to my page. Um, yep, Clarky underscore V. Yeah. Um, okay. And then um, is is does the city uh, produce any kind of literature as well on things going
2: on? Um, uh, you know, our social media team. We do have Facebook. um, okay. And our community community forestry program. We we have posts on there every now and then. Yep. Um, we do have a website, um, a community forestry website within the Sheridanwy.gov. Um, there's some good resource resources there, um, especially, you know, homeowner tips for young tree care, watering, uh, mature tree pruning. You know, it's all up there if you just go to tree care tips. Um, we have different species on the website there, too. So if you're not sure what you have, you can kind of look at some photos. Um, there's a page about the arboretum on there as well and then also some of the other pests that we're dealing with in town a little background on that what to look out for and some management strategies for that. Awesome all right
0: there on this on the city uh, the city, on the page. city page yep. just
2: go to uh, Parks Department and then the Community Forestry Program.
0: Wonderful and then follow Clark if you want for uh, fish and, trees. Fish and um,
2: trees but you're always because you're a
0: climber so you've always got some cool uh, well I think probably all arborists are climbers I should kind of. That's not true. That's a yeah. misunderstanding. Yeah. So they're not no. so, but anyways there's always yeah. good views on your Guys' pages when you guys are working, so yeah.
2: You know, I feel really fortunate to be in the field (laughs) that I'm in, and um, if I can help highlight, you know, some of the stuff that I'm seeing in our community, Mm -hmm. um, I I like to put that out there for people to 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 learn and and enjoy. Yeah.
0: And then Nicholas, you, I think you share your the business page, Inner Tree, and I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would highly recommend anyone to follow both of these guys because the information and just what what you guys find during your day to day is always really cool and informative. So I would highly recommend that, but Nick, I love your, you, like you can tell you're getting excited about whatever you're talking about. So yeah. always go fall in a, inner tree. Um, Nick, is there, Nicholas, is there anything you want to add on your business service wise? And it doesn't necessarily have to be service wise, like information, um, you know, or, um, um, Yeah. Just information, educational things that you're aware of that people could go find. um.
1: Yeah. So uh, one of the facets of my business is, uh, is consultation. So um, like I said before, you know, pruning is, is very, very few times should, should be really the the answer there. So uh, all the time there's room for educating a tree's daily care provider on, on proper tree care and what that means. And a lot of that is really getting people's heads wrapped around uh, our role as, as tree stewards, uh, as tree parents, if you will, um, in how to get water to the tree. It's really very simple. Tree, tree care doesn't really have to be an expensive sport. It just doesn't. Um, it's, it's about proper tree placement, planting the right tree in the right spot, uh, minimizing or, or, or protecting a tree from stress, right? not, not, uh you know, cutting roots and, and the impact of development near a tree. Uh, and getting proper water to a tree. After that, you know, we, we're we're kinda of blessed with this uh this soil that has different properties and it can be frowned upon. But one of the the, the positives of our soil is it really holds on to elements. It's that fine particled clay sand structure. That, that just elements tend to bond to it. There's more surface area in the clay soil. So we have an element rich soil, right? Uh, we have plenty of sunlight. Right? So you have these autotrophic organisms that really only need the carrier, the water, to get into the soil, to mobilize around, pick up these elements, and get to the roots. Uh, one of the ways we can do that, believe it or not, is to mulch trees. Right, So mulch your trees. Let's we'll say that again. Hashtag, hashtag mulch, mulch trees. trees. Yeah. yeah, mulch your trees. Um, and then you develop a, a relationship and understanding of how to use your water hose. Pruning is going to be necessary at times. uh um, but really one of my favorite things is to talk trees with tree owners and, and trees, trees care providers to get them understanding how to just get water to that tree and, and, minimize stress. So wonderful. Um, no, that's
0: great. And I, I will second your, you know, the consultation, you know, I think that's very important, you know, just the education. And when you came over to our house, that's what it was. And that's, I appreciate that. That's what you guys offer, um, to kind of, uh, um, keep going uh, to finish out. Cause I think, um, we haven't mentioned this yet, but I think if someone wants to know more, they can reach out to you. Yep. You are a master arborist. Mm. Um, the one, is there only one or two in the state? I can't remember. I, th- I think there's two. Okay. I two in the state two. of Wyoming. Um, but, um, it's a very hard certification to get and a license to get. Um, I think how many are in the country? I think it's, uh,
1: um, so So last time I checked, I think there's like, you know, around 20, 30,000 certified arborists in the world. And there's, there's hundreds only of, of, of master, master arborists. Yep. It's, it's not a requirement by any means. Right. I, I can't think of an organization that would require one to, to to follow this path. It takes about 10 years to to get it. If you if you started today uh, to decide, I want to be a master arborist uh, with no experience, it would take about at least 10 years to accumulate the eligibility, the points, the knowledge, uh, and, and, and to go through the literature and the research to, to be eligible to take the exam. The exam's pretty extensive. It's a board certified, Uh, process. So, um, uh, it's, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It forced me to, uh, geek out with a lot of books that I had been meaning to read. (laughs) Um, and it, you know, it, it, it's really neat. It it really requires, it leans on the ability to, uh, accurately diagnose a tree given any dynamic situation and no matter the, the condition and, properly prescribe uh what's needed to achieve the, the the human objectives and 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 the tree's objectives so um it's a very it requires a very intimate understanding i thoroughly enjoyed the process um uh yeah so, awesome yeah i just
0: wanted to because it's a very i think may, many people might not know that mm, of how hard yeah. it is and then that you yeah. are here in sheridan so yeah. um well thank you guys did i miss anything i think we hit everything we wanted to cover um so, uh, I appreciate your guys' time. Uh, it was great to kind of sit back down with you, Nicholas, and then Clark, nice to meet you for the first Definitely. time. So again, you know, all the, there's free educational stuff on the city page and the parks page. Um, and then go follow these guys on social media, social media. They've got everything out there. So Nicholas and Clark, thanks for your time. And, um, we'll, uh, uh we'll catch you guys maybe, maybe in the spring, you know, we can yeah. talk about spring and oh, summer, awesome. yeah. uh, yeah. trees. So, great. Great. um, Thank you guys, and we're gonna, all right, hit this music here.